Welcome to Poets and Writers. This is Henry McCarthy, and I'm on the road today. I'm really on the road. I'm down in South Carolina on the island of St. Helena, and I'm in Pat Conroy country. Many of you have heard Pat on my show many times, and I've got a great guest here today. He is a knowledgeable about nature and mixing nature and poetry and life. So Drew Lanham. Drew, how are you today? I'm doing well today, Henry. Thank you. Well, it's great to have us with you. And as we like to ask around these mountains, where are you from? I'm originally from Edgefield, South Carolina. So, uh, you know, a stone's throw from Augusta National Golf Course. But uh, the infamous or for some people, I suppose, the famous home of Strom Thurmond. All right. And I have just enjoyed a nature walk with you today because you are a certified, uh, you're actually a not a forest ranger, but talk a little bit about what you do. Well, I'm an ornithologist, so I like to call myself a bird brain, Henry. I've um, been studying birds for a long time, but I'm a certified wildlife biologist and an ecologist. But uh, my studies center primarily on birds, but increasingly on how people think about birds and nature. All right, and you're a poet, and here on Poets and Writers, and this is WEHC 90.7, coming to you from the beautiful Emory and Henry College campus. Now, Drew, talk a little bit about how nature and poetry intertwines, but let me back up a little bit. Your your book that, uh, what's the title of your book again? The... It's The Home Place, Memoirs of a Colored Man's Love Affair with Nature, and uh, that was published by Milkweed Editions and, uh, just in 2016. All right, talk a little bit about it. Well, Henry, you know, it's it's my story, um, a colored man, but it's um, I, I hope it's the story of of all of us in some way. But but really sort of growing up in in the rural south and in uh, primarily the 70s on a farm, um, an idyllic sort of life in many ways, but but also a life like most families fraught with what families are fraught with, sort of the joy and pain of of being black in the South, um, but also being black and uh, and rural and Southern um, lends a different sort of viewpoint to my life and, and who I am as both a writer and a poet and a professor. And so the book goes, uh, really sort of takes the the flight of a bird from, from hatching to fledging to full flight from childhood to my professional life. And so in that, in that flight across this landscape of of not just the South, but um, but of who I've been, you know, I try to help people understand how passion carries us forward, how how race bend race can bend the the prism of uh, of of nature and how we view nature, and and again, in in coloring each one of us in sort of different ways, hopefully unites us through a love for all things wild. Well, you were talking. It's an excellent uh, nature walk today, and you were talking about how we are so intertwined and how talk a little bit about the birds and mankind and womankind humankind how how we all relate to that well you know as as an ornithologist um i see so much in birds i gain so much inspiration from them first as a child through their flight but increasingly through their lives and understanding these fantastic lives of migration again across landscapes some of them from the tropics to North America and then back to the tropics again. And so they endure many trials in in their lives. And so I know we as humans do, and I like to think about the range maps that we share, that there are conditions of of choice, of, of, of habitat, where we live, 
um, the mates we choose, the foods we eat, all of those things, um, in addition to the clean air, clean water, clean soil, a healthy environment that both birds and humans need, it's impossible for me to disconnect bird lives from human lives. And then, you know, beyond that uh, is, is the cultural connection. So for the South, obviously for me as a black man, connecting um, the experience the experiences of my ancestors as enslaved human beings as chattel and, and how they saw the landscape, work the landscape, forced connections to nature, and then as freed people, um, voluntary connections to nature and the land. And, and so I, d I try to connect that as often as I can um, to birds through my words. Well, and you mentioned the stress, that birds have stress just like human beings, and that struck me today. That, that uh, you mentioned the blackbird, I think, and mm -hmm. talk a little bit about birds under stress and how that relates to humans. Well, you know, there, there are certain birds, um, all birds undergo stress. I mean, we all do as living beings and that, you know, we're constantly searching for the best places to be, the places that we can not only survive, but that we can thrive. And so in that search, the difference between survive, survival and thrival, as I call it, is, is really, you know, the choice of the best places to live. When we are under stress, whether by predation, um, as birds might be in their environment, or um, by hate, as humans might be, as people of color might be in their environment, that it creates stressors, stressors that we know scientifically, stress hormones that create different reactions, physiological reactions in our body. And so when we are stressed, when we are not able to be our best, we are put in a situation of simply surviving and having to look over our shoulders constantly and having to worry about whether or not we are in the right place or whether or not we are going to have food for the next moment or the next day. That's a very different situation than the privilege of thriving. And so in those ways, birds and humans are alike. And so there are many black birds that are persecuted. Um, you'll take, well, things like red-winged blackbirds and crows, which are persecuted in part because they're undervalued or devalued because of their appearance. Not always because of some harm that they do, but because there is this perception of who it is that they are. So, for example, a murder of crows. I prefer to call a group of crows a convention of crows because they are thoughtful beings that are that that really supersede our beliefs in who birds are and so as i think about who birds are as i think about who human beings are i try to bring that forward in a way that connects us that gives us empathy together all right now we're here at the pat conroy uh, festival and and it's actually a time in which uh, you know pat passed away mm -hmm. several years ago and i think he passed away on this day mm -hmm. and so you are one of the speakers here and one of the poets now talk a little bit about help me out here with the pen location here talk a little bit about where we are and what it means to you and to others well we're here on one of the south carolina sea islands saint helena island which is in beaufort county south carolina and it's special, Henry, because this is one of the places that where the Union Army um, came under control of this place relatively early in the Civil War. So 
1862, this place was established um, for for freed um, slaves as, as sort of an experiment um, in both educating the, the newly freed enslaved, but also in, in moving folks forward in a different kind of way. So while the rest of the South was still subjugated to um, enslavement and that institution, you're looking at a situation here where people were able to begin to think about thriving, you know, and that difference between just surviving as an enslaved person versus being able to exercise free will and go forward in a way that would allow you to thrive. This is a place where that began to happen. So that history carries all the way forward, um, even into the civil rights movement, when Dr. Martin Luther King found this as a place of refuge, that he could come here um, along with other members of the movement and find space to just be, to be himself, to be amongst these Spanish draped, Spanish moss draped live oaks and next to salt marsh and in a place where he could think, he could rest, he could relax, but then he could also formulate plans for moving forward in the civil rights movement. So that makes this a very special place from the inception of freedom, really, to the maintenance of freedom and the expansion of freedom Absolutely. through civil rights. Absolutely. Now, a little bit about Pat Conroy and uh, what he means to you within this context. Well, you know, Pat Conroy, when you when you look at his history, when you look at sort of the the privilege of, of being the son of, of of a hero, really, when you you think about the great Santini, when you think about his his father, but a man who chose to give time and talent and, and, and effort and money to a place that he didn't have to give that time and talent to and to a people who he began to see not as those to serve him, but as whom he could serve. Absolutely. And and, and that's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And you're here today because you're going to read some poetry also, because not only, not only are you a fine naturalist and a fine novelist, but you also are a poet and you're going to be reading some today. And what's the title of this book, Drew, that you're reading from? Well, this is my, Henry, this is my first chapbook of poetry. It's called Sparrow Envy, and um, it's uh, published by a small press in Spartanburg, South Carolina. My friend John Lane runs called Holocene Press. And um, the piece I'll read right now is called Love for a Song. Love is barter. Bits of affection traded for pieces of adoration. It is desire doled out on the whippoorwill's summer wanting. It is our craving for the meadowlark's ringing song, our longing for spring's greening, from our sun-starved spirits down to our bare-toed roots. We seek the winding path and wander until we find the sweet spots. Blackwater cypress swamp, Tall grass prairie sweep, the place where moonlight glancing off of tide slick stones makes us weep. We want the wild soul, and a shadow dwelling wood thrush heaps it on us in self harmonizing sonata. We revel in wild flowers' bloom, marvel in the migratory sojourns of birds dodging falling stars. Sink yourself deep in the dizzying dance of pollen-drunk bees. Find hope in the relieved canopies of the tallest trees. Wind and water, storm and surf, they can move us to other ends. Therein is the turn-on. That 
is the honey-sweet seduction. Nature asks only that we notice a sunrise here, a sunset there, the surge, that overwhelming inexplicable thing in a swallow's joyous flight, or the dawning of new light that melts heart and head into sensual soul in that moment of truly seeing. That is love. That's very beautiful. And you're listening to Poets and Writers today. You're listening to Drew Lanham. And as I said, I'm really on the road. Many times you hear me on the road, but I'm sitting out here in uh, Drew's truck. It's a nice truck you got here, <laughs> Drew, outside of the Penn Center. And uh, we're just having a wonderful time talking about nature and poetry. And now as I listen to that poem, I, I, I'm going to get you to do another poem for us there. All right. And just, yeah, I know you have to go on in a little while and go in there and read some poetry. And it's a very large group here, a uh, very, very diverse group inside there with a lot of different. We have uh, Nikki Feeney here. Yes. As well mm -hmm. as many other poets and Pat, uh, Tim Conroy's Pat's brother, talking about Pat, so it's just in there. But um, and again, the title of this book is Sparrow Envy. Sparrow Envy. I'd I'd like to to think of myself in some ways. I have lots of favorite birds, but sparrows are are special to me in part because they are sort of brown, nondescript birds that are often overlooked but play significant roles in our ecology. They're beautiful birds to look at, have beautiful songs. And so in those ways, they are, they are birds to envy. So I'd, I'd like to, to share another poem. Um, it's, this one's called Compassing. Limitless is a faraway place, way beyond the rock-strewn ridge named Possibility. It's over there, through a tangle-thick forest the old ones call maybe. It is a fortnight's trudge through what could be, and at least as far as a strong man can chunk a stone. Straight as the crow flies, a hard, tough row across the mind's breadth, a frog's hair from probable and head high from unreachable. You can't get there from here, but you can get here from there. Unfurl the map, Aim your compass well, cause true north does lie. Dead reckon instead on reality. Find yourself there. Another beautiful poem there you have there. And I'm enjoying talking with Drew Lanham today here on Poets and Writers. And because he combines nature. And you know around these mountains here, Drew, we have uh, the Creeper Trail, the Virginia Creeper Trail. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful bike trail. And folks want to preserve it, and we need to t be aware uh, that it can disappear very rapidly. So I appreciate what you're doing in terms of the need to preserve. Talk a little bit about our needs to preserve nature. Well, Henry, nature is, um, you know, it's everything. I mean, we all depend upon air and clean air, clean water, clean soil. Um, it grows the very plants that enable us to breathe the lungs of this earth. And so, you know, in preservation of nature lies preservation of self. And so as I think about who we are, as I think about who and what birds are, and I think about how we're all connected, how we're all linked, that's the important part of all of this, that we all live and share this one earth. All right. Now I'm going to ask you a zigzag question here and you've uh, you've been great just uh, answering these questions and, and sharing with me here in your truck and on a beautiful day out here on the island uh, St. Helena. Mm -hmm. um, Drew, 
I uh, want to ask you about the Carolina Wren because there's a, a Wren restaurant downtown. Somebody mm-hmm. said, well, that's named for the Carolina Wren. What is the Carolina? Well, the, the Carolina Wren's our state bird, um, a small brown bird with a white eye line, um, usually cocks its tail above its, its, its back, but it's a bird that is, um, you know, won't be ignored. It has a song that is persistent through a good bit of the year. A pair will often find itself in the same yard year after year after year, but it's a critically important bird for me because it's one of the first birds that I learned to recognize as a child. And in that, in recognizing that bird and having that bird with me throughout my life to sort of represent, um, in some ways, my, my career as a birder, it's a bird that's everywhere, that's adaptable, that, again, in spite of its rather nondescript appearance, will always be heard. And I think that's a lesson for human beings, that we have voices, all of us have voices, no matter what our appearance, no matter what our hue, no matter what our color, that deserve to be heard. Now, very beautiful. I want to go back to your poetry book. I'm enjoying these poems so much. And Again, folks, we're here at the Pat Conroy, honoring Pat Conroy, and Pat's buried not very far from here. So we're going to, I think later on this afternoon, a number of us are going to go down to his grave. And all of you remember Pat Conroy, the great Santini, and on and on and on. And actually, you've heard him on my show a couple of times. So let's hear from, uh, let's hear another poem here from Sparrow Envy. Well, Henry, I'll read this one. This is the, uh, the title poem entitled Sparrow Envy. Were I the sparrow, brown-backed, skittish, and small, I would find haven in thorniest thickets, search far and wide for fields lain fallow, treasure the unkempt, worship the unmown, covet the weed-strown row. I would slink between sedges, chip unseen from brambles, sculpt deep within hedges, and desire the ditches grown wild. I would find great joy in the mist-sodden morning, sing humble pleas from the highest weeds, and plead for the gray days to stay. Beautiful. Beautiful. And again, that was read uh, by Drew Lanham uh, here in his truck uh, on a beautiful <laughs> day with the sun shining after a wonderful tour that he gave us on a nature walk. Now, I want to ask you what you are doing currently. Now, I'm not going to get into being a college professor and so on, but t- tell us what you're doing currently up there at Clemson, right? Right, at Clemson University in the Department of Forestry and Environmental Conservation. I've been a professor there, um, now going on 23 years. But again, my focus in the past has been primarily birds and understanding the places that birds want to be and how we affect those habitats. Um, but more recently, it's gone to connecting culture to conservation, something that I call coloring the conservation conversation so that we understand the different prisms through which people view nature and how that can move us forward in the preservation and conservation of nature. I do a lot of that as a writer, Henry, and so the poetry um, is an expression of that. The essays that I write is an expression of that. So Mm -hmm. just finished a piece not too long ago Um, in Orion Magazine that uh, is about the Carolina parakeet, a species that used to exist in our part of the world here in the south, a bird that we're we're 
mourning the centenary of its passing. 100 years ago on February 21st, the last Carolina parakeet named Incas died, and it marked the passing of another species. And so one of our sins, I think, that we commit as human beings is pushing species to early demise, uh, pushing species to extinction. And so that's my latest, uh, one of my latest works, and um, and of course working on other books now and hoping to to push push forward uh, past um, my initial try at Sparrow Envy and that chat book and, and the home place to other mm-hmm. works. No, that's very poetic, and being with you today and listening to the bird sounds is so poetic, and having you explain the birds in the background and the nature and, and so on surrounding them. So it's just been a pleasure for me talking with you. One quick point. I want to, uh, one quick question. Now, Martin Luther King, you mentioned he came here mm-hmm. and he organized from here, mm-hmm. did he not? Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. Island and looked out at the nature and got some of his strength from this, right? Yeah. I, you know, again, that's, that's one of the powerful parts of, um, of this conference, of this workshop, just being here in this place where Dr. King, obviously a luminary in our struggle for equal rights for all people, for civil rights, when we think about the power of nature that it has provided sort of this palette um, on which to paint the, the civil rights movement, this peaceful place that inspired him, that has inspired others, that obviously inspired Pat Conroy um, to want to be of this place even unto and through his death and being buried here. And so I go back and I think about who Dr. King was, and and we so often see him um, surrounded by throngs of crowds, and we think Mm -hmm. about the march Mm -hmm. on D.C., but so much of what he did was here, either alone or in small company, thinking about how to move the movement forward. And so that's inspiration for all of us, I hope, to want to do better. Drew, where can the uh, audience, so we have listeners out there, and they'll send me an email wanting to get a copy of your book. Where can they pick up a copy of Sparrow Envy? Can they order it on Amazon? Um, Sparrow Envy, one of the best places to to get Sparrow Envy would be through Hub City Books. That's in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and you can can, uh, Google them online. That's Hub City Books. You can also buy Sparrow Envy through my publisher, which is Milkweed Editions. That's milkweed.org. And um, and it's also found on Amazon. It's found anywhere online that you would uh, that you would find other books. Well, I love your poetry. I love your nature walks. I love your knowledge. And you have so much to offer us, certainly in this time when nature and uh, is the issue. And it always has been. I think we just haven't recognized it from time to time. It's, mm. Mm-hmm. as much as we need to. Any closing comments, Drew? Well, you know, Henry, I'm I'm appreciative of the time and uh, just to sit and talk. But I think, you know, for all of us, if we, if we think of who we are, how we are colored through the soil on which we walk or were born, through the sky that we, that we live under, through the trees that we live and breathe through, through the birds that we get to revel in, that if we if we see their plumages, that if we see the canopies and the leaves, that if we see the blue sky, that if we see the color of the soil, to recognize that we're all colored in some way by our, our environments. And then they're the prisms that we see through. So in recognizing those, I hope that we can sort of come to a commonality of, of, of kindredness and understanding that we are all colored in some way. 
Beautiful. Thank you for being on the show today, and thank you for listening to Poets and Writers. And this is Henry McCarthy saying, Do not wait up for me. Do not be afraid to stay or still away. I'm going out to write a poem and watch the children play. Thanks again. Why?